Welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Good evening and welcome to this inaugural edition of the Maroon Monsoon. I'm Tim Healy, your host, pleased and privileged to be starting my 23rd season as the radio play-by-play voice of Arizona State Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball. Starting tonight and continuing each Thursday night at this time over the next few weeks and months, the Sun Devil Radio Network will come your way with this hour-long update on the latest developments in ASU athletics, with our focus tonight being on Arizona State football. We welcome all our fans joining us this evening for our brand new show. Just so you know, there are several different ways you can check out tonight's edition of Maroon Monsoon. You can listen live, as many of you are right now, on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, or you can live stream through the Arizona Sports app. Just go to the ASU Athletics page on the Arizona Sports app. Now, in normal circumstances, we would be broadcasting live tonight from a downtown Tempe restaurant visiting with ASU head football coach Herm Edwards about his team and its upcoming Saturday game, and we'd have hundreds of enthusiastic Sun Devil fans joining us. However, you don't need me to tell you the circumstances are anything but normal in the 2020 world in which we live. There is no Sun Devil football game to review or preview. Instead of a restaurant, our broadcast tonight originates from the spare bedroom of my house in Mesa, Arizona where, by the way, the air conditioning just went out a little while ago. But one important piece of normalcy does remain with us tonight as third-year ASU head coach Herm Edwards is with us and will be with us for the entire evening this evening. Coach, I would uh, wish like heck we could be visiting in person in much different circumstances, but still it's great to catch up with you nonetheless. How are you doing? How are you, Leah, and your kids uh, dealing with this pandemic? Well, like everyone else, your life has been adjusting. And if you're not used to adjusting, um, you're going to have you're going to have problems. <laughs> we have done it um, at some times a, a little bit hectic. Uh, but for the most part, I think we're in a pattern now where we, we feel very comfortable with our situation. Um, it's, you know, like you mentioned, it's not normal. Uh, we actually uh, uh, saw you at mass Sunday. Uh, we were at yeah. mass Sunday. Yeah. We finally went to mass Sunday. So that was that that was that's normal to me. When I go to mass, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a lot better, right? <laughs> when I can actually go yes, in, you. go into mass. So it was fun to to to, to see you and then watch you read some scripture. Um, it felt like it felt like Sunday should feel. Indeed, uh, Herman and I both uh, are privileged to attend the Newman Center at Arizona State, and they started uh, resuming their in-person masses. August 16th, and Coach, that was my first step, I think, into normalcy for me and my wife, Margie. Yeah, it was it was a, a good Sunday, to say the least. And and all of a sudden, the things seem a little brighter. You know, I left mass, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, uh, Monday, I'm I'm hearing some good news. And Tuesday, the news is getting better. And and hopefully, we're going to have a Pac-12 head coaches meeting tomorrow. And um, things will be a lot better for for players, for fans, for everybody that likes football, especially Pac-12 football. Indeed, as we convene here tonight, as Herm said, there is growing hope that the start of the Pac-12 football season may happen soon, much sooner than originally thought. 
Now, you recall that after the Pac-12's university presidents and chancellors voted unanimously one month ago to postpone all sports competition through the end of this calendar year, it looked as though the earliest we'd have Pac-12 football would have been sometime after January 1st of 2021. However, now, in the wake of the Big Ten Conference's decision yesterday to start its football season on the weekend of Saturday, October 24th, It appears as though the Pac-12 may be on the verge of approving its own season startup. You referenced it, Herm, uh, the coaches, plus the Pac-12 CEO group is slated to hold a previously scheduled meeting tomorrow. Are we thinking that meeting might produce a go-ahead to start playing football? We're hopeful that that will be the decision made by the conference. And um, I think uh, uh, with the the medical... uh, uh, people obviously leading the discussion. And now I think with uh, the ability to test players uh, at a rate where you can get the information back quickly, um, that helps both conferences. And when you think about uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So I'm excited about getting on the conversation tomorrow and and, and listening to what uh, we're about to try to do. And don't know anything detailed yet at this point. Obviously, you know more tomorrow. Now, as Herm mentioned, there basically are two primary reasons why the Pac-12 may resume play. The first one, as he mentioned, the conference's partnership with Quidel Corporation, a leader in the field of diagnostic testing, to implement daily rapid result COVID-19 testing for conference student-athletes in all close contact sports. Herm, the way Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, put it, the risks of COVID-19 transmission will be mitigated, if not eliminated, by daily testing and obtaining the results of those tests in 15 minutes or less. And Pac-12 schools are supposed to have their testing materials in hand by the end of the month. That was the first game changer in this process, wasn't it? It really was. And and, and that is a big time game changer uh, when you can test, uh, similar to what the NFL is doing, obviously. And and I think um, that is going to help us tremendously. And and, and I think um, all parties involved in this are very, very excited about the opportunity to get back to playing football. Now, the other uh, piece of the puzzle that uh, is falling into place, still more to go, the fact that uh, uh, the governors of California and Oregon, California Governor Gavin Newsom and Oregon Governor Kate Brown, have lifted their state's respective restrictions that up till now had prevented the six Pac-12 conference teams in those two states from conducting normal practices. Now, it's not a done deal yet. Both uh, the California and Oregon schools have to coordinate with their local health officials in their respective counties on safety protocols for practice and game competition. But USC and UCLA reportedly have already gotten approval from Los Angeles County officials, and uh, the Bay Area schools are still working on that process. And uh, if indeed, term the CEOs vote in favor of starting uh, football soon, How long do you think it'll take or should it take to get a team ready to play? What would be the target date in your mind? I would say for most teams right now, about six weeks, uh, you would get into a training camp mode, not right away. Uh, You need some time just to get into that that mode. Uh, You're talking probably 10 days, uh, somewhere in that uh, range. And then from there, you need about a month, four weeks of preparation uh, to play, uh, you know, it, when you, even the NFL, you can see the NFL right now. They, they started up playing, and there is a lot of soft tissue injuries 
And that's what you want to guard against. Uh, you want to get guys in shape. Look, our guys haven't wore helmets yet. Last time they actually put a helmet on was in March. And, and so we're, we're thinking about next week actually putting on helmets and putting our jerseys back on. We've wor- we have wow. been working out, conditioning and, and individual drills, and we've, we've had the ability to meet with our players. But to look like a football player, we haven't done that since March. And that was exciting alone when I told the players we're actually going to wear helmets next week and we're going to put our – we're going to put our jerseys on. We're going to look like a we're going to look like a football team again. So, that, little things like that are exciting to football players, believe it or not. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, they must be chomping at the bit to get at it, huh? Well, they really are, and, and I think uh, you. I, I'm excited for the players. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and and, and for our fans, uh, you know, they've been very very patient with this. Uh, they understand. Uh, uh, the dynamics of this, and it's in, it's, it was in the medical uh, people's uh, evaluation that uh, when they made these decisions, along with the CEOs, um, that safety was the number one thing. And and going through this, I, I knew in the beginning that um, the bottom line, uh, the game plan was going to be written out by the health professionals, and rightly so. And um, they were doing everything to protect players and coaches. And I think as this thing has moved along, the more information we gather, uh, we learned how to put ourselves in a bubble and all these things, you know, it was like anything else. It's a process. And, and the process obviously is at a point now where when you can test that rapid testing really became a game changer for us. No question about that. Herm, some of the reports are indicating that indeed on your six week timetable, the, a, a, a opening date of uh, Halloween, October 31st, has been prominently mentioned. Uh, what kind of season do you envision? Are you thinking it's going to be what a seven, eight game season, perhaps? I, I would, I would say that is probably correct. Anywhere that number, maybe only six. Who knows? But, but it's, it's going to not be a regular season. It's going to be a shortened season. I think if we can match up with the uh, with the Big Ten, uh, obviously, and, and, and get a a conference champion out, out of both conferences. Uh, and then maybe participate in the Rose Bowl. That that would be very very exciting for players uh, for, from both conferences. So I think all those things are on the table. Um, I don't make those decisions by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know how this thing's going to unfold. I don't know who we're going. I would assume we're going to play everyone in our, in our on the south. Uh, then mm-hmm. we dip over into the north. What teams will we play? When will we play them? Who knows? We don't know the schedule. Um, we'll gather more information hopefully tomorrow. But uh, it is exciting to anticipate that possibility. Uh, there are some college football conferences that are already in action. Uh, three of the so-called uh, Power Five, the Big 12 and the Atlantic Coast Conference, returned to action last week. The Southeastern Conference will ramp it up next week. Uh, did you get a chance to watch much football last week, Herm? And what was it like for you and your players to be watching other schools out there playing? Well, uh, how the how the atmosphere really is created in the stadium right now. And I think if you're a visiting team, um, that is a pretty good deal for you going on the road, to be quite honest, because there's no, there's really no home field advantage anymore. Unless they pump in noise, music, or, you know, in crowd, you know, and they, they've done, they're doing that a little bit in the NFL for some games, you know, this Cleveland game tonight, I think there's 6,000 fans and they're, they're, they're making a lot of noise for 6,000 of them. But I think that, that, that plays a factor. You know, when you go on the road, um, 
It's just a road game, but it's really you don't know. Uh, the, the sidelines are making all the noise for the most part. The players on the sideline. There's a few colleges that let some fans in, and they're very boisterous, and it's it's that. But for the most part, um, I don't know how our conference is going to handle that. I don't know if it's going to be noise or they're going to allow a percentage of people in the stadium, which would be nice. But I don't make those decisions. But the atmosphere, I think, when no different than when you watch the NBA start playing in the bubble, right? You could just almost tell the players were kind of looking for, like, where's the noise? You know, you watch the U.S. Open today a little bit, right? The golfers are like, there's no one clapping. You know, there's one guy over there, and he's clapping, right? And it's like, and I, I just, getting used to that, I think, is kind of interesting, watching players play. I think Belichick said it best when they asked him, why does it feel like? He said, it feels like practice. Mm-hmm. Right? Indeed it does. And, it's almost like this that, team the loudest yeah. is going to have the home advantage. And, and I think this is where the guys that don't get to play a lot, they're actually going to – their voices better get going, you know, <laughs> because the excitement of, of, of sports is, 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 is driven by the fans. That's, what, that's why sports is so unique. You know, it, it, every kind of sporting event, generally there's an audience – Right. There's an audience and they bring the energy. They, they bring the, 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 you know, they, they make the stadium alive. And that's what's great when you walk into the arena, whatever arena you walk in, there's a fan base and they get going and the players feel it and they play off all that. You know, and it's, that's not there right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a major adjustment, certainly when and if uh, play resumes. Say, fans, purchase one Coors Light 12 pack or larger or one Coors Seltzer 12 pack. And any 7.7-ounce bag of Circle K Favorites chips at your local Arizona Circle K. Then text HOMEGATE to 313-313 with register receipt to enter to win a grand prize Coors Light RV HOMEGATE experience as well as other prizes. Visit your local Circle K to get all the details. Lots more to come with Coach Herm Edwards on this hour-long inaugural edition of the Maroon Monsoon. I'm Tim Healy. And we'll be back after we take a time out here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. We continue now on our opening edition of the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's new Thursday night program this fall, highlighting Arizona State University athletics and this evening spotlighting, we hope, soon to start Sun Devil football. I'm Tim Healy, your host, welcoming you back to tonight's show. Our guest this evening, ASU head football coach Herm Edwards. As pervasive as the coronavirus pandemic has become in the daily lives of virtually every human being on this planet, it certainly isn't the only issue being faced by millions of Americans here in the year 2020. There is the ongoing fight against systemic racism and social injustice in this country, an issue that has generated passionate response over the last few months. Millions of Americans are also dealing with economic hardships, unemployment, layoffs, furloughs, losing their homes, mainly due to the pandemic. Healthcare workers, first responders, delivery workers, grocery store employees, among others, have been worked to the brink of exhaustion, particularly in the early months of this pandemic. In addition, many are feeling the effects of isolation and loneliness as a result of the social distancing deemed by health experts as a necessary component of fighting COVID-19. And all this takes place in a presidential election year, an election regarded by many as one of the most critical in this nation's history. As we bring Coach Edwards back in, 
Boy, it seems to me in this day and age, Herm, the job of a football coach has become incredibly multifaceted, part coach, part counselor, part civics instructor. I'm guessing there are no pages in the how to be a college football head coach manual that prepare a man for all the things that you and your colleagues around the country have had to deal with this year, correct? Well, correct, but but I also think this, uh, any time you take this position uh, as, a, as a football coach, um, it, it's about your ability to develop young men, to allow them to become the best version of themselves. I mean, that's, that is really the criteria of that. Um, how you deal with, with, with the consequences uh, of life and the circumstances that sometimes uh, come to fold with some, for some other reason, for, for, for many reasons, how do you, how do you communicate those things to young athletes, right? I mean, how, how does that get communicated to them? And I think the platform that um, these athletes have today was a lot different than, than when I grew up and I was an athlete. You didn't have a platform. Well, now they have a platform uh, with, with the ability to, to take their phone and to press a button, their feelings are known, right? And with that platform comes your ability to uh, be part of the problem or be part of the solution. And i and I'm always said this, I'm a solution kind of guy. Um, and uh, when you think about all the things that have happened, it reminds me a little bit of the 60s, to be quite honest. And when, when I reflect on it, um, a lot of these things were happening in the 60s. And uh, it's kind of ironic. My daughters are 14 and 15. And I can remember having a conversation with my dad in 68, uh, Dr. King was assassinated and trying, he was walking me through that and was walking me through what I was watching on television, right? And now I'm walking my daughters at 14 and 15 through this same kind of social unrest and why are they protesting, Daddy? And what, what is all this I'm watching, right? Uh, it's a bad movie, to be quite honest. Um, but the good movie is this. The energy that the young people have from different walks of life, I mean, it's amazing. And to, to change is, is very difficult. It's like moving a big boulder. It's not a light switch. And I've told our players, look, you have this wonderful platform, but when you use it, make sure you use it and you're the person with solutions along with being a good listener. That's very important, right, as, as we walk through this, this minefield that we're trying to walk through right now as adults and as well as young people. And I said, what you do now, you might not reap the benefits of this, but your children will. That's what you got to understand. This is a boulder you're pushing. It's not a light switch. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, you mentioned the voting. It's kind of interesting. Um, a week ago, we, all, we, we got our players the ability to register to vote. We didn't tell them who to vote for. That's not, that's not our – we don't do that. We wanted to make sure they had the ability to register to vote. Along with that, uh, the local police department, I had two men come over and just talk about their jobs and how they interact with the communities, right? And how they interact here on on the campus or outside the campus. And they kind of talk to our players about their job, their role, our players asked them questions. It was great. It was about an hour. It was fantastic. Players had questions. Why do you guys do this? Officers said we do this because of this. So it was it was to make them. And I, and I you know and I, and I told them this. I said, guys, 
you know, what you got to understand, these guys have a difficult job. It is difficult, right? I mean, you know, they walk into situations where they're trying to help people more than many. And, you know, and all of a sudden, let's just say it's like being on a football team. I told our players a story. I said, let me ask you something. I said, like, you lose like three games in a row and, you know, people just assume, well, you're a bad football team. Well, you got one guy over there or four or five guys, they're first team Pac-12 players. <laughs> but they're mm-hmm. on a bad football team. They get blamed like everybody else, right? I said, sometimes, guys, you know, certain people do things. You can't use the big brush and paint the paint everybody with the same brush, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's, it doesn't work that way. And I said, just look at it that way. And I think when I told them the story of that, players said, just calm down, right? Calm down. Is there some bad policing at times? Yes. There's some bad policing. There's some bad coaching at times, too. There's some bad players at times, too. But it doesn't make everybody bad, right? Don't paint, don't use the brush and paint everybody. That was kind of important. Yeah, and uh, boy, that what an educational experience that is for your players. I mean, I always one of my thoughts when I went away to college, Herm, was I was amazed how much of an education you can get without even ever attending a class, just by being around different types of people, different cultures, and different uh, faiths, and all that sort of thing. And boy, just it's, it just sounds like your kids went, you know, had a, are just having wonderful opportunities at this developmental stage in their life to learn so many valuable lessons they can take from here on out. They really are. And I think that's the, that's probably the greatest thing about going to college, not only, you know, working on a degree and all those things, but the people you're going to associate with all of a sudden you left your home community and you're going to this university and there's people from all over the country at this university, from all different walks of life. And you're going to interact now. You don't as much anymore because we're on the Zoom thing. But when you're off, you go into classes and people. And, you know, everybody's from different places. And that it really kind of it builds it builds your ability to look outside of your little world that you live in. You know, look, I come from the Monterey Peninsula. Can you imagine going to Cal Berkeley in 1972 as a freshman? Can you imagine the education? classroom but when I when I was not on the classroom and I was on on the plaza out there and watching them protest and just listen to all the speakers it was it was like a wealth of information you just sit there and you listen and you, you just grow up you, the, the world's in front of you you go this is happening and, and how do you handle this and how do I make decisions and how do I compute this in my brain right it's an amazing deal college and I'm thinking as you're talking that Boy, it seems to me that there's an opportunity for football teams like yours to really become extremely close-knit and come together by all they are experiencing and going through now together as a football team in this pandemic and with all the world situations that we've talked about. No, you're right, and I think that's what's the uniqueness about sports, the fact that when you're an athlete, you're in this huddle with a bunch of players that come from different backgrounds and you learn about them. That's the interaction. That's the conversation you have as, as a football team with players from, from, from California, from Arizona, from Texas, uh, you know, from wherever, right? And they're from all over the place, different neighborhoods, different cultures. And you kind of learn that in sports and they become your teammates. 
And, and so along with these other factors outside of sports, how do you as a team, you know, navigate all that? And I think the way you do it is have open conversation. And there's one thing these players know. There is always open conversation about anything that happens in this world that they have to deal with. We're right out front and we talk about it. How is your team responding through all this, do you think? How are your players uh, dealing with all these issues right now? To their credit, uh, they've done a nice job. And uh, our our coaches have done a nice job uh, in their meeting rooms. Um, It's been a lot of different things, as you mentioned, that have come up. And everyone handles it a little different. You know, every player looks at it a little bit different, has a different lens, right? And, and, and we're mm-hmm. okay with – we don't all have to agree. I always tell players, this is America. You don't have to agree. That, 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 we're, we're not trying to make everybody the same guy because I believe in personalities and, you know, every, everybody doesn't have to agree. But we have to be able to listen. You have to be a good listener. And sometimes that's hard because some of these conversations are, are like, uncomfortable for people, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of conversation you got to have sometimes. Just be uncomfortable. And it's okay. And our guys know we can be uncomfortable, but we're going to respect each other. That's kind of like winning in a football game, the ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And uh, that's yes. one thing that uh, Herm Edwards' teams have proven to be in his first two years with all the close victories that they have had and their ability to win games in the late stages. Fans, you have to order the maroon and gold maroon or gold devil deals from venezia's pizzeria for a chance to win an awesome prize pack courtesy of sun devil athletics and coors light visit venezia's.com slash devil deals to learn more still more to come on tonight's show up next herman i will talk about his 2020 sun devil football squad one that many folks figure can challenge for the pac-12 south division title if or now it's looking more like when they get their season started. But first, this time out here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. We welcome you back to our first edition of the Maroon Monsoon here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. I'm ASU Radio play-by-play voice Tim Healy, joined by Arizona State head football coach Herm Edwards. And we're glad you decided to give us a listen this evening. Of course, we all hope the Pac-12 is able to get its football season started soon and, uh, Boy, the uh, encouraging news, uh, we, we could be finding out something tomorrow, as early as tomorrow, on a possible start update for Pac-12 football. If and when that happens, Arizona State will be a team that figures to be a contender to compete for the Pac-12 South Division Championship. The USC Trojans were considered by many to be the consensus preseason favorite to win the Pac-12 South, but Herm Edwards' Sun Devil squad would figure to have something to say about that. First off, Herm, uh, what type of weekly routine have your players been following uh, since uh, the start of uh, since the postponement of sports competition uh, back uh, in uh, March? Well, we well, when, when this transpired and we knew we had the ability to come back in the building and do some form of uh, activity, uh, whether it was meetings, um, whether it was conditioning with the weight coach, walkthroughs, uh, individual drills. Uh, we planned out a schedule until October, uh, four days a week. This is what we're doing. So our players have been on a pretty good routine that way of, of obviously getting in shape, meetings, installing the offense, defense. Um, coaches have been at, at work, um, have really broken down every every team in our conference. 
right? Because that you know, coaches, you, you eventually got to play, and, and so you got to go through the, the process of breaking all the teams down. So gathering information on our opponents, they've been able to do that. Um, our players have done a nice job of really understanding um, that there's a lot of work still to be done, uh, regardless of what you say, because when you think about it, we'll be going into the season with a brand-new defense, and we're going into the season with a brand-new offense. So there's a lot of work to be done, right? And, and so I think we can't lose sight of that. You know, we're, we're still – we got some new players as well, but you have a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. And the defense is a four-man front now. Uh, it's not the three-three-five. It's It's a four-man front. It's a pro front. Um, the offense is entirely different. It's 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 a it's a pro offense. It's 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 a lot of motion, a lot of shifts, a lot of personnel groups. Quarterback under center, some quarterback in the gun, some. There's a lot going on. I mean, it's fun to watch in practice. It's kind of mm-hmm. fun to like watch this thing unfold, you know. So um, I'm excited. I'm kind of excited to see what it's going to look like. And and here again, um, we have what nine seniors on the whole team. That's it. Wow. So it's very young football. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's only nine of them. Not many. And two of them are grad transfers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The two offensive linemen, uh, Kellen Deesh yeah. and, uh, out of Texas A&M and uh, Henry Haddis of Stanford. Two guys you're going to plug right into that O-line, huh? Yeah. They're, yeah, they're the starters. That's just exactly right. But with all that newness, it must be somewhat comforting to have an experienced quarterback returning who also happens to be one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the country, Jaden Daniels, a freshman All-American last year, threw for over 2,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, and my jaw drops when I mention the fact that he threw just as a freshman two interceptions in 338 pass attempts. In what areas, Herm, do you hope to see Jaden elevate his game to that next level this year once you start playing? Well, I think, and I shouldn't say this because I hope he doesn't hear this, but he will. He was very careful with the football last year, which you want quarterbacks to be. I still wanted to be careful, but I wanted to take more shots. You know, the thing that 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 that, that we learn, um, especially in college football. If you're going to be one of those teams, you got to score points. You you have to be in the 32, 34 range. You know, not saying every week, but you got to average that. I mean, you got to be up in that number. And I've said this, mm-hmm. and I and I believe this: you throw to score points, and you got to run to win. So there's this there's this balance, right? With that being yeah. said, um, look, he you know, Brandon Ayuk is 49ers first round pick. <laughs> Okay, he's gone. Now, now Frank is, you know, he's the next guy up, right? And I'm not saying he's the first round guy. I'm not saying that. Frank Darby, yep. Yeah, been playing in the National Football League. But there's a lot of young receivers. So we got to get them up to speed, right? All of a sudden, you're going to see two, three tight ends in the game, right? Our running back happens to be playing for the Cardinals. Um, (laughs) We have running backs that have have not carried a ball yet in the Pac-12 competition. So they're young. But the team's built that way. We knew that. We knew mm-hmm. we were going to build a program. So these young guys, I haven't seen them play yet in, in a Pac-12 game, but 
lo and behold, we're going to see him here pretty shortly. It's going to be fun to watch. Young, young but talented. Diamante Trianum, yes. Daniel Nagata, Rashad White, a JUCO transfer. Uh, young men are going to have a chance to step up and make big contributions for you this year. They really are, and I think they're excited about the opportunity that they're going to receive, and, and, and rightly so. Uh, they've been working at it. For me, it's going to be fun to watch them. It really is. It's just going to be fun to watch all these guys kind of come together and just, just go play, you know, and see what it looks like. And I think it's going to be fun for you as a former outstanding NFL defensive back to see your defense anchored by, I think, a really strong group in the secondary. I think the secondary, Herm, maybe one of the strengths of your team, let alone your defense. You're, you're right um, in the fact that we have two corners that have played a lot, uh, Jack Jones and obviously Chase. Um, and then from there, the safety, Rashari was a starter as a freshman. Uh, Evan uh, Fields has been a starter the last two years. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, playing time by those four guys. Um, uh, Ryan Clark's son is a nickelback for us right now. Uh, he's played, some, he played a little bit last year in the bowl game, not a whole lot. But um, mm-hmm. it's young, and then we have some more talented young guys we're trying to build with the secondary as well. Uh, the linebacking core, Merlin and Butler, are coming back. As we know, they started as freshmen, so they have a lot of time. Our defensive line is interesting. Um, we, we, we brought in a couple guys, a couple freshmen, that it's going to be fun to watch them play. Mm-hmm. It, it's really going to be fun. I mean, if there's some things that are showing up right now, and I'm going, oh, boy. I hope he can do that when we really play because it's going to be fun to watch. How do you feel about your uh, the potential of that front uh, group to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks? You do have one stud up there, a veteran in Jermaine Lowley, who's been a terrific player for you this first two years. Yeah, he really has been. and He came in as a freshman as well and played. And, and, and I think the experience of those guys are going to help us. Um, uh, we're going to be a little bit – we're going to be a lot more in a four-man front. And we were some in the three-three-five, but – but now it's more of a four-man front, traditional front for us, a lot of under, over. Then our ability in the back end, you know, the defenses that we want to play, uh, how much man-to-man coverage will we be able to play? That, that To me, that's important. And how much can we do that? How, how much can we put our corners on the island along with the nickelback to match up with three receivers and, and, and put pressure on the quarterback, whether it's bringing four or five and having our secondary guys cover receivers? That, that, to me, is going to say a lot about our defense and, how, and what we can become. I think one of the key factors for your football team last year, you finished sixth nationally with a turnover ratio of a, a remarkable plus 14. The Sun Devils had 28 takeaways a year ago, and that was sixth most in the nation. And, boy, anytime you can get that number that plus number as large as that, you've got a chance to win every game you play. Well, you do. And and, and one thing about what has happened the last two years, we, we have, we've done a pretty good job of taking the ball away. Um, would like to see more interceptions, okay? I'd like to see that number go up a little bit um, because when that goes up, then you're really making some plays, you know. Then that discourages people from throwing the ball when you can – Catch the ball. When when the defense can catch the ball, not knock it down, but catch the ball, that makes quarterbacks, all of a sudden they get a little bit, whoa, hold it now. Okay, fumbles are great, mm-hmm. but when you intercept the ball, 
Then all of a sudden, you know, the flight pattern of that that, that guy throwing the ball, he's a little bit nervous now because these guys are actually catching it on the other side of it. Um, I think our, our ability to, to sack the quarterback, that's important, to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, you know, we still have to be a good run defense. You still have to stop the run. You have to stop the run in college football. You got to stop the run in pro football. You got to stop the run in pop order football, high school football. You got to stop the run, right? That's all every level. Guys, my, to stop the run. If you can stop the run, and, and people say, "Well, you gonna let them pass?" Yeah, we're gonna let them pass. We want the ball to leave the quarterback's hand because we don't know where it's going. You got a chance to get it. But when you run it, they turn around and give it to the guy. And when they can run the ball, you're in trouble. It's just in trouble, right? So, you know, with that being said, I think situations defensively, uh, we, we have to get better in the red zone, right? We gave up too many big plays. You know, we gave up a lot of big plays. We got to stop that. That's going to happen, but we got to – that number has to go down, you know, the, the big explosion plays. And, and offensively, for me, when I look at our team, we got a lot of gifted young receivers too. How do we work them in the mix? You know, how do we get that? We got to be more efficient on third down. We have to do a better job of the red zone offensively as well. We got, we got to score. You have to score points. College football is about scoring points. Bottom line. Absolutely. No question. And boy, you talk about a kicking game. You return both your place kicker, Christian Zendejas, who was 23 of 27 a year ago, almost automatic from inside of 40 yards. And what a fortuitous set of circumstances. I thought Michael Turk was the best punter in the country a year ago. He averaged 46 yards per kick, 11th best in the nation, made himself available for the NFL draft, but was able to come back and rejoin your squad. And that's uh, that's like almost a big-time free agent signing in the NFL when you get a guy of that caliber coming in. Well, it really is because he can change field position for you with his leg. I mean, when you're backed up, sometimes you need to change field position. Um, you know, with, with his ability to punt the ball, uh, that helps you. There's no doubt about that. And it was great to get him back. Um, you know, our kicking game should, should be improved. You know, we, we've got a young guy uh, out, of, out of Florida State. We've got a kicker, you know, that, that, that can punt or kick left, left-footed. And um, He's got some talent as well. I mean, so we're pretty good over there. It'll be interesting to see how Coach Slocum kind of works that thing out and, and, and what it's going to look like. So we're, we're excited our, about our ability to kick the football. The young man Herm reference is Logan Tyler, a transfer from uh, Florida State, who uh, coming out of high school was a five-star kicker. And he's a guy that can kick off. He can kick long field goals. He can pretty much do it all with his leg. Tonight's inaugural broadcast of the Maroon Monsoon is brought to you in part by Lyft. Thank you, Lyft, for being a proud Sun Devil Athletics partner. Coach Edwards and I will be back with some closing thoughts after we first pause for these messages. You're listening to the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Sun Devil fans, here's a reminder. You can keep up with our radio play-by-play team on Twitter and Instagram by following at SunDevilPBP. Notice how hip I am. I didn't say the Twitter or the Instagram, just Twitter and Instagram, and give us a follow. What do you say? We're heading down the home stretch of our initial installment of the Maroon Monsoon for this Thursday night. I'm Tim Healy, thanking you for joining us this evening. Sun Devil head coach Herm Edwards is back with us, and 
Coach, I wanted to spend these final few minutes talking about recruiting. Now, of course, those of those folks familiar with college football and NCAA protocols know that we can't discuss specifics as to which players you're currently recruiting or what players have already committed for next year. But I think we can talk in general terms about the process. And I'm just curious how that process has been forced to change because of the coronavirus pandemic. How have you and your staff been able to compensate for all that? Because they've been killing it on the recruiting trail. Well, we've been very fortunate um, that this Zoom thing has been a big part of it, to be quite honest. And uh, whether you take a family through a virtual tour of our campus and stadium and the facilities, that's part of it. Um, Being in the home all of a sudden with the family and 20 people out of our uh, of our organization are in the boxes, right? Whether it's academic people, wherever it may be, coaches, uh, trainers. I mean, you can imagine, right? It, it, it's all, mm-hmm. all, all on board. It used to be the name, all on board, right? <laughs> for, 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 for what you're trying to do. Uh, and I think every, every program's in the same situation. Coaches cannot go out. You cannot bring players on campus. So how you do that uh, as far as bringing them into your into your office into your facility is very important and with social media and the ability to link with people now through this zooming i've done more i'm zoomed out to be quite honest i'm done with zoom i mean it's the people that never wanted to zoom before it's almost like you give people the ability now just to I want to have a Zoom meeting. You don't. You don't even know why you want to have a Zoom meeting. They just want all these people in these boxes, right? So they can talk to them. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that, that has been the process, and our coaches have done a fabulous job. They really have, and, and, and as you know, eighty percent of, of college football is recruited. Absolutely. You know, in normal times, I think when parents, uh, when you go into a, 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 the home of a recruit, I think the parents want to know that they are entrusting their son for the next four years to people, coaches that they're very comfortable with. I'm wondering, I would think in this time with this pandemic, parents must have to feel a double, must want to be doubly assured that they're going to be, that their young man is going to be taken care of well, having to send him perhaps a long ways away from home in the middle of a pandemic to play college football. There's no doubt. Um, there's so many things happening right now. Can you imagine 2020, 10 years from now, we'll go and look back at this 2020 that showed up on our doorsteps. It'll be a, it'll be a big part of American history. What happened in 2020, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that no have gone question. on beside the COVID. I mean, th- that's going to be a, when, when the kids are growing up now, when they're little, they'll be reading about this in their history books. You know what happened in 2020? No, yeah, this really happened, right? I mean, th- that's mm-hmm. where we're at right now. Yeah, so parents want to know. They want to know. There's a, lot, there's a lot of things going on right now. And your staff has, as I said, done such a tremendous job on the recruiting trail, and you've assembled a terrific group of recruiters on your staff. In fact, your first-year wide receivers coach, Prentice Gill, who came over late last season from Oregon, was recently named by one outlet as the number three recruiter already 
in the Pac-12. What makes Prentice so good in the living room, do you think, Herm? Well, I think, first of all, you know, he, he's out of the Los Angeles area, um, and he has been connected to a lot of young people um, through his, his upbringing in, in L.A., no different than AP, right? And I just think his ability to connect. Recruiting is all about connecting to young people and, and obviously to, to the homes. And, and these guys, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big phone guy. I mean, you know, I mean if, if, they, if they don't have a phone in their hand and they're not, like, visiting with somebody, it's almost, like, shocking. <laughs> it, 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 but it's natural for them. That's what they do. They, they're just using their whole life. Young people is on a it's, it's on a mechanism. It's on a screen, and they have the ability to connect. They have connections. Uh, it's just it's fun to watch them. All I know is they walk in my room, and they'll say, "Coach, can you talk to this guy?" Okay, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Coach, remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got him. Okay, let me. Okay, we get every day, and it's it, and it's all of them. They they just that's what we do now. And you did say all of them. Uh, in fact, on this one list of top 15 Pac-12 recruiters, it seemed like you had half of them. You had, we mentioned Prentice, uh, Kevin Mawai, your Hall of Fame uh, NF, uh, offensive analyst, was named the number seven recruiter in the conference. Your new defensive backs coach, Chris Hawkins, the former USC Trojan, your associate head coach and recruiting coordinator, Antonio Pierce, also ranked right up there. Just a tremendous staff in their ability to connect with these uh, young men that you hope to bring into the Sun Devil fold? Well, it really is. And you think about recruiting no different than anything else. It's about relationships. And what kind of relationship can you, uh, you know, connect with, with young people? And the thing about it now that makes it even more difficult, it's on the screen. You really can't see them. You know, they, they, you can't touch them. They, they can't, you know, you, you, they're not in the, they're, they're on the screen. And for, for some of the guys that, that, that we have gotten commits from, and we can't mention those folks, a lot right. of them now, when you look at our pool of recruiting, we've gone national. We've become a national recruiting team all of a sudden. Uh, we, we're getting kids out of all different states. That says a lot about a coaching staff, okay, uh, that they have the ability to do that. And it's about relationships. And indeed, as Herm said, the Sun Devils are really becoming a coast-to-coast brand uh, in their recruiting, catching, uh, casting a net that goes basically from sea to shining sea. It's been great talking with you tonight, Coach. I uh, wish we could do it uh, over some vittles at, <laughs> at the Lodge, but uh, one of these days, right? We'll be back. Every week, and it's just they're, they're consistent. We, we, I miss them. I, I miss Thursday nights. You know, I really do. Uh, I've been to the lodge numerous times um, for takeout. You know, I tell them we're gonna get back eventually. We'll get back, but um, mm-hmm. it's exciting as well. And, and to have this hour with our fan base that's, that's really, really fun. I want to give quick thanks to our engineer, Sean Crespin. Thanks as well to Sean Mitchell of the Sun Devil Radio Network, our in-studio coordinator, Mitch Vereldis, and also thanks to Nate White, Wainwright and Tim Cassidy from Sun Devil Football for their assistance as well. So uh, we appreciate Herm being with us, and we'll be back next Thursday night at 7 with another edition of the Maroon Monsoon. Till then, for Coach Herm Edwards, I'm Tim Healy. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody. 
That was the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. This Sun Devil Athletics program is an exclusive presentation of the Sun Devil Radio Network. Presented by MidFirst Bank.